Good morning, everybody. Today we are learning Yeshua Parakitas, the last of the past few parakim that we've seen, discussing the Chalukas arts, discussing the division of the land of Eretz Yisrael. In the Parakitas, we saw Klai Yisrael divide up the land into seven different portions, and then they divided the rest of the land into seven portions. Today's parak, the last of the parakim, discussing the Chalukah, discussing the Yerusha, we discussed the last six Shvatim, the Pesachim go through, the Parak goes through the specific cities and the specific boundaries of each one of the Shvatim, the last six of the Shvatim. And then the parak ends off with Yeshua ben Nun was Zeichet to inherit a city, the city of Timnat Zarech, which we'll discuss in a minute. He was Zeichet to inherit that city based on Akadish Baruch, who said that Klaisel should give him the city which he wants, and that was the city that he requested. And the parak ends. This was the division of the land of Eretz Yisrael. Everybody, everybody in Klaisel got their portion in Eretz Yisrael. A few quick insights on the parak. Number one, just starting with the end of the parak. The Pasuk brings down the last parak in this, the last Pasuk in this parak discusses that the Rashi Aves, the head of each the head of each Shevet, was Zeicha, got the land for everybody in that Shevet. The Pasuk speaks out, so take a look at the Redak, it's quoting a Gemara in Gittin as well, the Gemara in Yavamis, Darshan's from here, the fact that the Rashi Aves, the fact that the heads of each Shevet were able, were able to acquire the land for everybody in their Shevet, I had as that work. Each part of the land is owned by different people in the Shevet, so how could one person be kinder for everybody? So the Gemara learns, and Masech is getting Masech is from this pasuk that Hefker Bezin Hefker, which means that Bezin has the ability, Bezin has ownership over people's property, and through that mechanism, Hefker Bezin Hefker, the Rashi obviously the head of the Shvatim, which apparently had the din of a Bezin, they were able to be Zeich of the property. They were, able, they were able to be kind of the property, acquire the property for everybody, as well as give it to others. It's an interesting discussion in the Achreinim. The Achreinim they ask it as a question. This they say that Hefker Bezin Hefker Bezin has the ability to be Mafker somebody's money to say that the money that a person owned is now Hefker. Do they also have the ability to give it to somebody else? So the Rajba actually in that Gemara and Gittin brings out from this pasuk Mefurish. It's clear from this pasuk over here that not just could Bezin be Mafker property, but they also can give it to others as well. Because we see the pasuk over described the Rashi Aves, the head of E. Each Shevet acquired, they acquired the property and gave it to everybody in the Shevet. So we see that Hefker as Nefker means, first of all, Bezin can be Mafker money, they can make the money Hefker, but they also can give it to a specific person. Not just one Ara, based on the Raj Megitin Daflam and Vav. Moving right back to the Pasuk before, Pasuk Nun, the Pasuk describes that Yeshua ben Nun requested the city of Timnasar, so the Gemara in Baba Basra Darshan in this Pasuk, Kuchav Beis. The Gemara Darshan, the reason why it's called Timnatzach, because originally the fruit were sour, they were spoiled, and only after Yeshua got that piece of land, then the, then the, the fruits blossomed, and they were delicious fruits. So the Mepharshim discussed why exactly did Yeshua request that land, that's so what the Mepharshim brings down. The Rina Tilsuk brings down, beautiful shot that Yeshua wanted to show Klai Yisrael that he did not want the, he didn't want a portion of Eretz Yisrael just because Eretz Yisrael has delicious fruit. He didn't want the best portion of land. No, he wanted the piece of land just so he could become the mitzvah of Eretz Yisrael, to become the mitzvah of Yeshua Eretz Yisrael, and that's why specifically he chose this land of Timnatzach. It happens to me that afterwards, because Bracha gave a tremendous bracha and has ama- had amazing fruit. Maybe we could suggest as well that Yeshua is trying to show Klaisel that as a leader, you have to show them that you're not interested in it for yourself. You're not trying to get the best piece for yourself. Rather, you'll take, you'll give the best to other people, and you'll take what's left. Again, interesting shot in the first. And why exactly Yeshua requested that piece of land? Now, moving back to the beginning of the parak, the parak starts off with the Shevet of Shimon. And the parak starts off by describing that Shimon got a chilek, parak, the, the Patsuk Av says, that Shimon got a chilek in the portion of the Yehuda, the Radak, and the first we described why in the Bnei Yehuda, they explained that Yehuda had a, a very large portion, and therefore Shimon got a portion in the Bnei Yehuda. If you take a look at the Vilna Gain, though, this is what we want to focus on, the Vilna Gain points out, 
that Shimon and Levi, we'll get to Levi Bez Hashem in the next part, discussing the Ari Miklan and where Levi inherited. However, Shimon and Levi says, were not Zeichet to have their own property. Shimon, like the Apostle Kavir says, got an inheritance in the Rush of Yehuda. The Vilnagain says, Loi Shimon Levi Mishim Klalas Yaakov. Because of the Klala that Yaakov gave Shimon and Levi, because they acted quickly by Shechem. So that's why they were not Zeichet to have their own portion. They got their portion in the Menei Yehuda. You take a look. The Pasuk rings down in Pasuk Vayechi, Pasuk Parak Memtes, Pasuk Zion, that Yaakov says, Ar Apam Ki Oz, Avrasam Ki Kashasa. Yaakov says that unfortunately you, you are going to be cursed. Because of you, you acted quickly, you acted hastily. So therefore, you're going to get a, you're not going to get your own portion. I'm going to spread you out. And that's what Rashi, that's what the Vilna says. That's its idea. Shimon got a chalak in the Nacha of Bnei Yehuda. If you want to focus on this concept for, for a moment, Rashi brings down on that Pasuk, Achakim B'Yakov. Rashi brings down, Dabar Acher, Ein Lecha Aniyam V'Saifrim Umulamei Tinaikais Elami Shimon, Kudei Sheyin That he wanted to spread Shimon out, he wanted to spread the Shimon, the Shevet of Shimon out because they're going to be the Aniyam, the Saifrim, and the Malamdei Tinaikais. They're going to be the Rabbeim and therefore he wanted to spread them out in Klai, so he didn't want them to have their own Shevet, he wanted them to be their own portion, he wanted them, he wanted them to be amongst Klai, so that they could have Rabbeim. So Yaakov Kavanetsky, that's how, it's a beautiful Kasha, a beautiful Tarot, it's a beautiful insight. Based on this Rashi, and he asked the question, he says, Lachera, if you're going to have Rabbeim, if you're going to have teachers, you're going to have Tamid Chacham, we're going to be the teachers of Klaisel, Lachera, you don't want them to have this Midah. The Pasuk starts off, Yaakov cursed them because they acted hastily, they acted with such zealousness and passion. So, why exactly should the, the, the Rabbeim come from the Shevet of Shimon? It seems that, on the contrary, we should keep them in a separate portion, we should keep them on their own, so that they don't influence the people around them. We see because of this Midah, they did a terrible thing. So, Yaakov Kamenetsky answers beautifully that, no, you're right, there's two types of passions. There's two types of people who act very quickly on their instincts, on their emotions. He says, number one, there's a type of person who, unfortunately, whenever he has a, a taiva, whenever he has, he wants to do something wrong, he right away acts, he acts immediately, he acts with a passion, and that's, a ty- that's an inappropriate type of zealousness, that's an, in- type, that's an inappropriate type of passion. However, says Rabbi Yaakov, there's another type of passion, and that's some- somebody who channels his passion into, av- into his avodah Hashem. He channels his passion into something positive, channels his emotion, channels his energy into doing everything with a tremendous amount of kayak, a tremendous amount of energy. And that's what the Pasuk is telling us, that in Echanami, you're right, that unfortunately Shimon and Levi made a mistake, that they at one point used their passion for the wrong thing. However, a person who's going to be a Rebbe, a person who's going to teach Klai Yisrael, has to be the type of person who's going to give over the Torah, give over the Mitzvahs with a tremendous amount of passion, a tremendous amount of commitment, without compromising on their principles. On this idea of a person being passionate, this guy not compromising on his principles, I just heard a beautiful shot from Ari Leibowitz in connection to Zvik's Parsha, connection to Hanukkah, so let's quickly just speak it out, that Reb Nevensal asked a beautiful kasha. The, pos- the Gemara Megillah tells, the Gemara, I'm sorry, in Sanhedrin tells us that Yehuda, we see in this week's Parsha, Parsha Vayeshev, that Yehuda had, had an idea. Yehuda says, instead of, instead of killing Yosef, let's sell him to the Ishmaelim. So Yehuda and Kachava, the Shvatim listen and they sell Yehuda. However, the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that anybody who says Yehuda did the right thing, is a, is a, it's a terrible thing that what Yehuda did. And a person who says Yehuda did the right thing is going to be cursed. So now the question is, ask Rebbe Sal, why is that the case? The Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that Pshar, making a compromise is the greatest thing. A person should try to always try to make a compromise when you have two people who are fighting. When you have two people who are both going against each other in Din, the Gemara tells us the greatest thing you could do is try to make a compromise, try to make a Pshar. So ask Rebbe Sal, Shlita, 
the former Rav of the old city, Harusa Arbach, for over 40 years. So he asked, what exactly was wrong with what Yehuda did? Yehuda was making a compromise. He knew that they weren't, the Yishvatim weren't sure. Should they kill? Should they kill Yosef? Or should they, or should they have him go free? So Yehuda came up with a compromise. So why do we look down? Why is what Yehuda did a negative thing? So the Reb Nevin suggested a beautiful pshat, and he suggests like this. He says in life, there's different types of compromises. There's a type of compromise when a person's having machlekes with somebody else. A person, one person claims that the other person owes him money, or they're fighting about who owns a certain property. So it's a beautiful concept to try to make shalom, to try to make a pshara, try to make a compromise, try to work out something between the two people. However, then there's another type of compromise. There's a type of compromise where a person doesn't want to stand up for his principles. He doesn't want to stand up for what's right. He knows that this is really the right thing, but it's very hard. So therefore he says, you know what? I'll make a compromise. I'll do it, but I won't do it fully. I won't do it the best way. I'll, I'll make a compromise. And that Rebbe was what Yehuda was doing. He said, there's even two options here. Either Yosef is innocent, completely innocent, and therefore they should have freed him, or Yosef is Chayv Misa, which is what the Shvatim held. They were very strongly convinced of their opinion, and they were ready to kill Yosef. So therefore, says Rebbe what Yosef, what Yehuda should have done is said either way. Either if he felt that it was the right thing to kill him, he should have been on their side. And if he felt it was the wrong thing, then he should have sent them home. Then he should have taken Yosef and sent him home. So therefore, says Rebbe that's the idea. When it comes to Yiddish guy, we cannot compromise on our principles. We don't say because it's difficult, because we're not sure, then we're going to compromise. No, no. If in certain scenarios, there's either a right or wrong, and we have to stand up, even though it's challenging, even though it's very hard. I saw a very similar idea that Aaron Lichtenstein Zatzal in one of his essays describing the importance of recognition how all different facets of Klai Yisrael, all different, the different Shvatim and the different sectors of Klai Yisrael, all have different milas, all have different things that we can learn from each other. So Rabbi Lichtenstein was bringing out the point that on the one hand, we have to make sure to be open to recognize that there's tremendous amount of lessons that we can learn from different portions, whether it's to learn Kavana and Tefillah from the Chassidim, whether it's to learn Talmud, the Indian of Talmud Torah from the Bnei Torah, whether it's to learn Abbas Eretz Yisrael, from people, the people who live in Eretz Yisrael, different, all different things that we can learn from different type of people. However, Wilkinson said, although this is a very important akuda, there's another important piece that we have to keep in mind, and we have to balance it at the same time. And that's the idea that a person has to choose a mahalach in life. He has to choose a mahalach, a path that he's going to follow. And when he chooses that path, he has to be fully committed. Because, says Rebbe there's a danger. A person could say, wow, there's so many different miles, so many different things that I could grab onto. So I'll just do everything, sort of. I'll do everything, kind of. And I'll try to figure out how to do it as, as best as I can. But I'm not going to be fully committed because maybe the other approach is right. Maybe that approach is right. So Rebbe you have to recognize, yes, there's many different approaches and they're all valid and they're all wonderful. However, a person has to choose his own mahalach and be fully committed be fully passionate, be fully committed, and not compromise on his principles. It's definitely a beautiful idea, and Rev. Leibowitz brought out that that's possibly one of the ideas of Hanukkah, with the Kasha that they're Ask the Pnei Yeshua and others in the the Shabbos, why do we need the nace of Hanukkah, Lacher, Tomahotra, Betzibar? As well, there's other kashas in the Echreinim that even if the li- maybe liquid can't become tummy in the first place, the few different kashas that the Echreinim ask. So Rabbi Lee was, suge- was suggesting that that's the idea of Hanukkah, that even though technically we could have done it this way, but no, Klaisal wanted to show that we want to do it in the best way, we want to do it with the most passion, the most hider. And that's one of the ideas of Hanukkah. One of the clearly the important ideas of Hanukkah is the Indian of Hidr Mitzvah. We go out of our way to Mahajah the Mitzvah as much as we can. It's one of the only places in Shulchan Aruch where the Hidr Mitzvah is brought down to make Radin, that the idea of being Mahajah the Mitzvah, doing the Mitzvah in the best possible fashion is actually brought down as part of the Ikra Lacha, as part of the Ikra Din. So hopefully we'll go through Hanukkah and come out with a stronger passion, a stronger commitment to our Yiddishkeit and to our Vedas Hashem. One more Ha'ara on the parak, the Pasuk brings down, that we, at the end of this parak, we finally went through all of the Chalukah Sa'ara, it's the division of the land of Eretz Yisrael. So let's just jump to the Gemara Bavabasa quickly. The Gemara Bavabasa, the Avkuch tells us that after they finished dividing up the land, the cities that were Kreva, or Rechaika, the cities that were far away, they paid money. I'm sorry, the, the cities that were, that were closer, they paid money to the people of Rechaika who were further away. So the question is, what exactly does it mean? Krev Rechaika. So the Rashbam, the Rishen, who there speak out, 
that everybody got the similar portion. However, Misha Oyle Gairali Bikar of the Yishalayim, Maila Mois Misha Ala Gar Barak Yushalayim. Says the Rashbam that the Shvatim who got a portion closer to Yerushalayim, they paid money to the people who were further away from Yerushalayim because their portion was better. Why is a, per- why is a Shevet whose portion is close to Yerushalayim better off than a Shevet who's further away? So Rashbam speaks out. Two things. Number one, because you're further away from the Yerushalayim. A person who's living out all the way to the edge of Yerushalayim, he's very far from the Yerushalayim. And number two, because also because you're closer to the other nations and you might be concerned, might be worried, during wartime, that the nations are going to conquer you, they're going to fight against you in battle. So that's why the people who were further away, they got payment from the people who were closer to Yushalayim. So now the question is, in general, a person who can't live in Yushalayim proper itself, a person who can't live in Yushalayim, either there's not enough place to live or he wants to move out, is there any Mila, is there any reason to live closer to Yushalayim? Or do we say no? Once a person's outside of Kedush's Yushalayim, it doesn't make a difference. I was just speaking to Talmud Chacham, who was telling me that his father told him that he doesn't think there's any Mila being closer to Yushalayim. Once a person's outside of the outskirts, of the area which has Kedusha as Yushalayim, there's no more reason to be closer versus further away. So now we have to, we have to look at this Rashbam and figure out what is the Rashbam? The Rashbam says that a person who's closer to Yushalayim, he, he, he's closer to the base of Megdish. So is Rashbam saying that there's any more Kedusha because you're closer to the base of Megdish? Or no, he's saying something much more pragmatic. So if you take a look at the Sheep and Gometas and some of the other Rishonim, they bring down the Farish that the Pshat is that because what, what's the mile of being closer to the base of English? Not because there's more Kedusha, rather, Mishum Alila Regal, because the closer you are to the base of English, the, the, the easier it is to be Mekayim the mitzvah of Alila Regal. So we do not have any proof from this Rashbam based on the Shishnu Gubetzes that there's any mile of living closer to the, to the base of English, closer to Shalayim, Bismanazeh, for sure, when there's no mitzvah of Alila Regal. Hashem, when the time comes, when Mashiach comes, when Mashiach comes, then it could be there's definitely a mile to live closer because you will have, it'll, it'll be easier for you to do the mitzvah of Alila Regal. Have a wonderful day and a frail chin. Hanukkah.